So good morning then from me. I have a little, a little quick notice uh, for you um, about uh, the ladies' night, which is this coming Thursday. <clears throat> if you want to come to uh, ladies' night and you've been thinking about that but you just haven't given your name to woohoo, Jill, just here, try and do that today so they've got some idea of numbers. And the following Thursday, that's this Thursday, the following Thursday, men's curry meal, quite a few of you, thank you, have, have uh, given your names. The only thing I have to do is that this Thursday, I have to tell them how many men are coming. So if you are thinking about it, men, you want to come to that curry night and you haven't told me, please do, between now and Thursday, late on in the day, that would be fine, uh, but do that, that would be wonderful. Let me just pray with you. So loving God, we just... We just thank you that we can dip once again into your wonderful word now this morning. And as we do, give us ears to hear. Refresh our dry bones and our weary souls and let Christ be magnified. Amen. <clears throat> so anyway, we come to the end of our series, this series looking at some of the great characters from the Bible who've been called into service by God. Today we're looking at Ezekiel and then next week, as you've heard, uh, Advent unfolds and leads us into the Christmas season. And today is Christ the King Sunday. So do you want the good news or the bad news? You want the good news. I know you do. I can tell. I'm going to, I've got some news for you. I was looking uh, yesterday at the census that was taken two years ago. You know, it's once every 10 years and there was a census um, in 2021. And one of the questions on the census, and it has been for a little while now, is what religion are you? And I suppose, I don't know, I haven't got it in front of me, but I think they must give them some options, one of which might be other. But the good news is that 27 and a half million people in our nation declared themselves to be Christian, which is wonderful, isn't it? Isn't that amazing good news? That means that 46.2% of our nation are celebrating Christ the King today. And you're not celebrating because you know what I know. That's not the truth, is it? We know that it's a long way from that. As a matter of interest, that figure of 46% of the country declaring themselves to be Christian has come down over 10 years from 60%. So it's, it's moving in the wrong direction anyway. And, and, and around the country, the number of people <clears throat> who are going to church is dropping. I looked again at the Church of England figures, um, and I got them from 2019, um, and it says that there that Sunday attendance is around 600,000 on a weekly basis, and that's quite a nice big fat number, but that's somewhere between 1% and 2% of the population, I would imagine. And all denominations are showing a similar decline. So it's a grim picture, isn't it, really? It's not good news at all. It's a picture of a nation discarding God 
abandoning him in favour of sometimes other faiths, but in the main, uh, none. I don't know why. Maybe it's because we've got iPhones now. Maybe that's the big difference. Maybe we've got all our, we've got Wikipedia that we can turn to. That tells us everything. If we need to know anything, if we're worried about money, there are benefit systems and pension schemes. If we're worried about health, some of us of a certain age got statins, so we're all right there. That keeps us going. And then there's Deliveroo. We got Deliveroo. What do we need? We're, we're taken care of in this place. Our needs are met. We are still a country with so much to offer. But in Christian terms, we are a nation that is dying on its feet. Ezekiel, in this passage of Scripture, was living at a time when his countrymen had turned away from God. Many of them, including him, were in exile uh, in Babylon, uh, being punished really by God for their disobedience. Judah, their home was pillaged for its wealth, and the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed. In godly terms, Israel as a nation was dying on its feet. And God calls his prophet Ezekiel, uh, who was speaking for God at this time uh, in Babylon. He'd been preaching to them and now uh, God gives Ezekiel this vision, transporting him, transporting him in the, in the vision to a valley in the desert which is full of bones. Dry bones, thousands upon thousands of random bones, bleached by the sun, dried by the wind. Not a sign of life across the whole valley floor. It reminds me of that Monty Python sketch. Dead, very dead people. And God asks Ezekiel, can these bones live? Can these bones live? I just want to have a little chat with you this morning about them bones, them bones, them dry bones. I wonder if you could just put yourself in Ezekiel's sandals for just a few moments and imagine it's you who's looking at these bones. Who do you think they represent? Uh, verse 11 in this passage confirms that these bones are the whole house of Israel, the nation of Israel. So perhaps in our mind's eye, in our vision, we could look upon this valley floor and all these bones see the whole nation of England, consisting of, among others, the people just around us in this community, our church neighbours. They live in these houses. They're going to work. They've got families. They're nice, caring people. They're lovely people who don't know Jesus. They don't know Christ the King. They're our neighbours at home. We talk to them. They look after our house when we're away. Lovely people, not Christians. And they're the bones of the people who we really love. They are our family. They're our husbands, wives, parents, children, brothers, sisters, close friends. They are the bones of those who mean so much to us. And they're alive and well, and they're not saved and they're not safe. Judah had been pillaged for its wealth, the temple in Jerusalem destroyed. 
I've just lost my place there for a moment. I'm really sorry. You punish their disobedience. Oh, so sorry about that. So, so God is asking us the same question as he asks Ezekiel. Can these bones live? Can these bones live? And our response to that question ought to be the same as Ezekiel's clever answer that he gave in verse 3, Sovereign Lord, only you know. Only God knows if these bones can live. Only God knows if your husband, your wife, or parents, children will at some point call upon Jesus as their personal saviour and king. Only God knows that. But God's response to us in return is exactly the same as it was for Ezekiel. He calls us into service. He calls us into service just as he did with Ezekiel. First of all, we are called to speak to the bones, to speak to those around us, to those we love, just as he told Ezekiel to speak, to prophesy to the bones. In verse 4, here he is. Prophesy to these bones, he says to them. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter into you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make your flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So if you want that person, the one who is most on your heart right now, that person you love, if you want them to spend eternity with you in heaven, you have to speak. We have to speak. If you love them, you will want them to know about Jesus. And Ezekiel did as he was told. He prophesied. He spoke. He prayed. And there was a noise. We see that in verse 7. A clicking sound at first, it says. And he noticed that the bones were stirring. There was a shuffling. There was a response to what he had said. And the noise became a rattling sound. These bones were flying around all over the place. Everywhere. Perhaps he had to duck. The toe bone got connected to the heel bone and the heel bone got connected to the leg bone and the leg bone got connected to the knee bone. You know that one, don't you? And the knee bone got connected to the thigh bone. Have I told you about my hip? I, I, this is, may not be the time, but remind me and I will tell you all about my hip. We have to be bold. We have to speak up, says God, to tell others what Jesus has done for, for us in order that they might be rescued. The second thing that Ezekiel was told to do, not asked, commanded to do, was to pray. We don't really read it quite like that. Ezekiel was told to prophesy to the breath, to call upon the breath, to breathe life into these reformed bodies, to give them life. And we know that God is referring there to his Holy Spirit. Breathe on me, breath of God, we used to sing. Don't really sing it so much now. Fill me with life anew. We're called upon to pray for the people that we're speaking to. Don't just speak. Speak and then pray. Pray for the people who are special, not just to us, but to God also. 
We're to ask God, the Holy Spirit, to breathe life into them, to give them what we have, forgiveness, salvation, eternal life. Because we were once dry bones. Those of us who become followers of Jesus, we were dead. We read that, don't we, in Ephesians 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and your sins in which you used to live. We hear amazing stories, don't we, of people that come to faith and when they tell us, we've said it ourselves. You just listen to people, perhaps at Alpha, telling their stories and they would say, I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know how that happened. I don't know what my life was like. It's so far behind me now. I can't believe that I've been able to come to this and I'm, I'm safe and I'm saved. Can these bones live? Yes, they can. They very much can. There's nobody who is so far away from God that they can't be reached. Nobody so lost that they can't be found. Nobody so dead that they can't be given life in all its fullness. Nobody. The person you're thinking of, the one furthest away from God, can be saved. Our role in this valley of dry bones is to speak, to tell the people, and to pray. What else? Two other things very briefly. Firstly, these bones represent not only individuals, but the whole church, all of us. When God says in verse 11 that these bones are the whole house of Israel, he's talking about the people of God. That's who they were, God's people. We would say the church, which, as we were reminding ourselves earlier on, is on the slide. It's falling into decay. So what can we do about that? What can we do to prevent the church, our church, following the national trend and becoming an irrelevance? A shadow of its former self, slowly dying, becoming dry bones. Can you imagine that? What can we do? It is bad news about the church being in decline, but there's, there's good news right here. Right here. We're blessed in this church, aren't we? This is lovely. It's difficult for us to imagine that we could fall foul of the disease that is affecting so many other churches in the country. We're strong. There are so many talents, so many gifts in this place. There's so much going for us. There's so much love expressed. Jesus is the heart of, of everything that goes on in this place. Great teaching, good friends. And we've got St. John's and we've got Christ Church and we're all heading in the right direction. We're not immune. We can take nothing for granted. We are to speak to one another in here. We have to encourage one another in here. It's not just about out there. We have to build one another up. Ezekiel was told to speak to the people of God. We must speak to one another, as we were told in Ephesians, to speak in truth so that the church can build itself up in love. We're to speak often of Jesus. I don't know if you do, perhaps you do. Remind one another of these gospel truths, not just in here, but in our homes, in our small groups, in the cafe, when you've got just with your friends. We should be constantly encouraging one another and building one another up, not just for our benefit, but for the benefit of the church as a whole. And we should pray as Ezekiel 
prayed. Pray continuously for life to be continuously breathed into this place, into our corporate hearts. We must pray for the Holy Spirit to be welcomed, involved, instructing, guiding, directing, pointing us towards God's will, God's will for us and moving us forward. That should be the blueprint, really, not just for us, but for all churches, shouldn't it? To speak to one another about Christian things and to pray for one another and for the Holy Spirit to be an integral part of our life together as a church family. There's another lovely old song that we don't sing anymore either. Some of you will remember these words. The church that was in slumber has now risen from its knees. Dry bones are responding to the fruit of new birth. That goes back quite a long way. That was the latest thing once upon a time. If you remember that. We could look back in our own history and agree that those words form part of our own experience. Maybe you would say in this church, you can remember when things were not as good as they are now. But we should pray for the other churches too, the whole church of Jesus in this country, that it would not decline further, but begin to rise from its knees. Incidentally, about this passage, this is just an observation, it's not a statement or anything, but when the nation of Israel came together in 1948, they hadn't been an independent people in their own country since here, the time of Ezekiel, two and a half thousand years before. Because of their disobedience, they'd been exiled, returned home and been ruled by foreigners, the Persians, the Greeks, the Romans, maybe the Crusaders, can't remember. And Ezekiel 37, and this passage in 14, it says this, this is God speaking to the bones. I will put my spirit in you and you will live. I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. I have done it, says the Lord. And just as a matter of interest, on the 15th of May in 1948, it was this passage that was read out in Hebrew on national radio. Two and a half thousand years it took for the bones to be restored to life and to come home. One more thing and we're finished. See, these bones they may represent people uh, who live around us, who we love. They may represent the church that's rising from its knees. But there will come a time when we are dry bones. Just thought I'd finish on a bit of a cheery note that we are all going to die. We will become them dry bones. These bones may well represent us in a way because life will end. Separation will come. People will mourn. Some will speculate. They'll be confused. There are many people, many, many people who believe that when we breathe our last breath, then that's it. There is no future. There is no hope. Just dry bones. And we know better than that, don't we? We have nothing to fear from dry bones. This is a book of promise and faithfulness because there is a day coming, a glorious day that is coming. And if you hear a question that tests your faith, that says, can these bones live? 
Yes, we already have that answer time and time again in God's word to us. Christ, the King, will speak to these dry bones. John 5, 25 says this, I tell you the truth, this is Jesus, I tell you the truth. A time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. That's us, 1 Corinthians 15, you know it well. Listen, I tell you a mystery, we shall not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we will be changed. We could go on and on. It's on almost every page in Scripture. God tells us time and time again, Old Testament and New Testament, that we will live forever if we accept his son. No question about it. We have nothing to fear. We will go from death to life everlasting, raised up. No more dry bones. No more death or mourning or crying or pain. He will make everything and everyone new. What more could we want for ourselves and for our church and for those we love? Let's pray.